Well, good morning. How's everybody doing? We are wrapping up our reset series, and then we're going to um, continually reset our hearts every week. It's what we do. Uh, as we start a new series next week, we're going to um, listen to Paul's last words to Timothy. And when you ever hear the last words of a dying man, you know they're not wasting their breath. So next week, we're going to begin uh, studying the book of 2 Timothy. We plowed through 1 Timothy in the fall, but now we're going to dive into 2 Timothy. It's going to be amazing, and that will reset our hearts week after week. Let us prepare our hearts now uh, just by praying together. I know we've prayed a couple of times. We cannot pray too much. We're to pray without ceasing. When we do formal group prayer and we say amen, we're saying so be it. And what we're not saying is we're done praying and now we're going to live in our flesh. The reason we pray corporately is we realize if we aren't continually praying individually, it's going to be a corporate mess. So let's just agree together that apart from Christ, we can do nothing. Let's agree together that even apart from God's help, we're not even going to be able to hear today's message. Apart from Christ's help, I'm not going to be able to give it in a way that's going to be acceptable and winsome. So Father, we need you. Every hour we need you. It's not just a song we sing. It's not just a hymn the church used to reflect upon. It's our confession. We, we confess that the longer we know you, sometimes we think we get stronger and that we can make you proud by doing things for you and we repent. Lord, our ears cannot hear, our eyes cannot see, our hearts cannot conceive unless you open our eyes, open our ears, keep our hearts malleable. It's a work of grace from beginning to end. So would you continue that grace? If there are friends here this morning who have never really understood the love and the grace of God, I pray today would be the day they would understand what love is Today would be the day, Lord, that they come to know you and understand the basis of our hope and why we sing to you. We're not looking to perform. We are looking, Father, to fellowship with the redemptive love of God expressed through Jesus Christ and the goodness of your will and way um, constantly taught to us in your word, if we'll just pay attention to it. So we seek to do that now, Lord, so be it. May we heed your will and way for your glory and our good, and that the world might know you and receive the grace that we have received. In Christ's name, amen. Well, this Reset series has been one that we've been um, having fun with together because uh, in the midst of it, we're, we're trying to just say, hey, look, man, the Christian life is a life of continual repentance. We turned from our way of believing that we don't need God, believing that we have to perform for God if we think he is there. We, we think most of us that God's like us and so we like people if they're valuable to us and do what we want them to do. And so we impose that ideology on God and we go, I guess we gotta be better than bad. And if we're better than bad long enough, then God will love us. And that, we need to reset our thinking. This book is not a list of rules that you better do or you're gonna go to hell. This is God telling us what he has done to rescue us from the hell that we have because we've turned from him. And it's a rescue that he accomplished. Religion is what I do. Christianity is what God has done. And when you see the love of God, it compels you. It changes you. You understand, like my friend Lauren in the Watermark News today, which if you're watching this later, you can go and watch the link to that Watermark News. Lauren felt like, hey, I'm bent to do this. And so if God made me this way, why shouldn't I go that way? And Lauren came to understand God didn't make her that way. Sin did. God made her to enjoy him and to love him and to be secure and not codependent on fallen man. And so when we gather in here, I say this a lot, um, every week when we gather, we're really doing a pastor's conference. It's the Kingdom of Priests Pastor's Conferences. And we invite everybody to come. And we don't charge anything. But we do get together as a kingdom of priests and we just say, hey, let's just remind ourselves who our God is and remember how to respond to him. I, I call this room the R&R &R amongst the staff, not the worship center because this is the worship center. Your lives are the worship center. I call this the R&R. &R. It's where we remember who God is and we remind ourselves how to respond to him. And so we come in here and we rest in what God has done and we get ready to live faithfully for him. 
and we invite other people to come and you wanna know what we're about? This is what we're about. And, 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 and we're always calling you to join us. We're always calling you to jump in with us here because once you know who your master is, that determines your mission. And once you know who your, what your mission is, you can look who are the mates that I'm gonna run through life with. That's basically how you should choose a spouse. Figure out who your master is and then go, all right, I'm gonna live the way that my master wants me to live and then I better find mates that are gonna encourage me along the way. And so when we get together for our membership classes here, that's what we do, we explain to you, this is, he's our master. God is good, this is what he does for us. This is what we're gonna try and do in response to him. And, and we're not perfect mates, but we've got a perfect mission because we've got a perfect master. And so we are together going to try and be more faithful in our mission. Today is resetting our mission. That's what we're talking about collectively. Now let me just say this. The church is a people. The church is not an institution. The church is not a building. The church is not a personality. The church is a people. And so when I talk today about the church resetting its mission, hint, hint, nudge, nudge, what I'm really talking about is you resetting your mission. And all of us together collectively resetting our mission. It is true that any relationship is only as healthy as the least healthy person in it. You might say that any chain is only as strong as the least healthy link. And so what we are doing is we are strengthening our own individual link in this thing called the love of God, the people of God in the city. And so today we're going to reset our mission. Now here's what's great is that sometimes people are here with us for a while and they... Um, they take off and they go other places to continue that mission. And we love that because we're part at Watermark of a local church. And the local church, if it's the right kind of church, is only an expression of the universal church, which exists everywhere. And um, I, I just want to say, you know, as, as we talk about these things, and I've already said so many things that I've said hundreds of times here at Watermark, and you might be mocking me because you're like, man, Todd, you keep hitting the same points. And the reason I keep hitting the same points is because vision rarely repeated is vision quickly forgotten. And so I want to remind us, that's why we're in this room. Remember the R&R. &R. We remind ourselves of the greatness of God. We remind ourselves of how to respond to that so we don't forget as we head into the week. I was uh, reading this week and I, I came across a guy that um, is friends with um, the director of... Um, you know, a, a guy high up in Chick-fil-A. And um, they were talking about how this guy, when he would go to different operators, which is what they call their different owners, he always had a line that he would use. And the line was this, what'd you do to build the business today? What'd you do today to grow your business? The way you grow your business annually is to grow it daily. And what I would say to you, and that's why Chick-fil-A is such an amazing place because they realize that one of the things they want to do is not just make good food, they want to have great relationships. And they want to go, my pleasure to serve you. And every day we want to grow our business fellowship with God by saying, hey, Father, I want to know more of who you are. I'm going to remind myself of how you provide for me the bread of life, which is even better than a Chick-fil-A sandwich. And I want to say it's my pleasure to serve you. The way you grow your life annually is to grow your life daily. The way you become more of the beauty that God intends you to be is to grow every day more into the Christ likeness that he wants. Now, vision leaks, which is why we repeat a lot of things. And, you know, what we um, have learned is that when people start to mock you because you say things a lot, you're starting to communicate vision, right? One of the things that encourages me when, I, um, when we do the CLC, when we invite church leaders in from all across the country, is we talk to them and they just go, man, everybody I meet, they say the same thing. Even some of the folks that have taken time off of work to host and greet us here this week, we, we can't believe they're not on staff because everybody here thinks alike. Now that's not group think. What that is, it's a group of mates that have the same mission because we love the same master. And we're not being conformed to the world, but we're all being transformed by the renewing of our minds. And we're living in a mission that is good to the human condition. It is acceptable to the human soul. And it's perfect in terms of leading us towards the life that God wants for us to have. And so when you start to repeat things a lot and people go, oh, here we go again, right? Um, there, there they are. They're, they're saying the same thing they've always said. The reason we do that is because vision rarely repeated is vision quickly forgotten. So one of the things we talk about here is that we're a battleship, not a cruise ship, right? 
Uh, I was so encouraged this week. I don't know, you know, our, our COVID wiped out our entire staff for Regen. Almost 1,000 people are here on Monday nights. And not a single paid staff was here on Monday night, and yet Regen went on completely unaffected. This weekend, our college director was out because of a crisis in his family with a child who was sick. Um, two other people had COVID, and they're doing their big weekend we're gathering all the college students that can get away for a weekend and, and launching the year. And it went off without a hitch. Because we are not a circus church where the best performers do things and you come and buy a ticket and applaud for how excellent they are. We're a church that, that teaches and equips the saints to do the ministry. We're a battleship, not a cruise ship. So my friend, who used to be here on mission with us, who's now down in Waco at a place called Harris Creek, Jonathan Bacluda. And when JP teaches things like this, he's actually started a series called Ecclesia. Ecclesia is the biblical word for church. And so JP and I were together this week. We we're hanging out as we are prone to do and just keep encouraging each other. And he said, Wagner, this is what I'm doing this weekend. He said, I'm thinking about it. Do you think it's a good idea? Now, JP, if you know him, he, um, he likes the illustration. <laughs> and he says, I'm thinking about coming out on stage, man, just wearing like my beach clothes. And so he sent me a picture. All right. So this is what JP is wearing. <laughs> this is what he's wearing this morning when he preaches at Harris Creek. All right, he's got his little Tommy Bahama Beach hat on, he's got the Hawaiian shirt, he's got flip-flops, he's got the white pants. And he said, uh, leave that picture for a second. And he said, look, what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about people. Man, have you ever, can you imagine if, you, if, you, if you're going to enlist on uh, a time that you think is going to be the time of your life and you show up, you know, down there on the coast of Texas to get on this ship that you think is going to give you the time of your life and this is what you've got on and you walk on, not to this cruise ship with lots of banquets and lots of uh, great music and lots of people, you know, having my ties, but you walk into a gray ship and there's guns everywhere. And you realize, I don't think I dressed for the occasion. I must have a different idea about what it means to have the time of my life. And so, you know, because Bernie Sanders showed up everywhere in Photoshop, JP's going to start to show up everywhere in Photoshop. And so this is the image that he put up in the church. He goes, can you imagine, right, if you show up like that? And can I just tell you, so much of what American Christianity has become is we're like, hey, just come to this carnival cruise, man. We just want you to be here. We want you to like our captain more than their captain. We want you to like the food we serve more than the food the other cruise ship serves. We want you to like our music in the ballroom more than the music you like when they play in that ballroom. Come and sail with us. And we're going to do everything that we can to feed you what you want so you'll come back and buy another cruise. And that's a dead church. And can I just tell you, we're not trying to get you to cruise with us. We're trying to call you to be on mission with us. And the pastors and the apostles and the prophets and the teachers here, just to use the words of Paul in, first, in Ephesians chapter 4, are here to equip the saints for the work of service. This is a pastor's conference. We're a kingdom of priests. And we're going to get about it. You hear me say things like this all the time. If you're here and you say you love the master, but you're not on mission with other mates in an accountable way where you're underneath those that are in authority and, and um, can help you lovingly grow and admonish you when you're unruly and encourage you when you're faint heart and help you when you're weak, then you're not a regular attender. You, you're an irregular believer. And you've got to find somewhere to enlist. And just say, I am a... Um, I'm going to give an account, and these are the mates that are going to help me be faithful on this ship, which is on mission to rescue people and protect people and bring life to people and dignity to people and meaning to people. You hear us say a lot as a, as a form of vision, the, the Bible's our authority, it's our conscience and guide. We stand firm where it's firm and we're flexible where it's flexible. I was so encouraged. Um, this, this happened, I think, sometime last fall. I don't know the exact date, but... Um, a friend of mine here in town, yeah, it was, it was last April, last spring. A friend of mine here in town is pastor of another church in town. Brian Dunnigan is pastor of Highland Park Presbyterian Church. And he, he tweeted out something as he was just sitting there and he was thinking about um, different brothers and mates in the city that aren't on the same local church but are part of the same universal church. And here's what Brian said. This is his tweet. I'll read it to you. But he just said, hey, this is what I'm learning from great churches and pastors in our city. And he mentions a couple of them. He mentioned my friend Brian Carter at Concord. He said, hey, help ain't canceled. He mentioned my friend, you know, Jeff Warren at um, PCPC and uh, Park City's uh, PCBC, Park City's Baptist Church. And he said that, that um, the gospel is um, for everybody in our city. And, you know, Jeff's passionate about that. Not just for some little people, but for everybody. He mentions a number of other different churches. 
And then um, when he got to Watermark, he had my name on there. And he said, you know, this is what I'm learning from other churches and pastors in our city. He said, Todd Wagner, ground everything in God's word. Now, now let me just say this to you. We need all kinds of churches to serve and reach all kinds of people. And I'm so glad that certain churches are emphasizing caring for the least of these and certain churches are emphasizing hope and certain churches, in, in Brian's opinion, is emphasizing the gospel being shared with everybody and faithfulness over intellect and other things that were listed on this thing. But as I looked at that list, I was really humbled and grateful that Brian goes, Todd, this is what you, you remind me of, is that everything's got to come from here. There is no hope apart from here. There is no reason to love the least of these unless you're doing it in Jesus' name. The gospel that we share comes from the word of God and on and on. By the way, one of the things I learned from Brian Dunnigan is that cheering for and celebrating others is a great way to show love. What a great tweet. I responded to Brian. You can, you can see my response one more time up there was, man, hey, thank you, Brian. Hebrews 3.13, which says, encourage each other day after day as long as it's called today so that none of us get off mission. None of us get deceived that we are running a carnival. And then I put 1 Corinthians 16, 13 through 14. So what's 1 Corinthians 16, 13 through 14? It's this. Be on the alert. This is verse 13. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. That's verse 13. Be on the alert, man, because, because this world is going to pull you away and is going to try and sell you false doctrines. Stand firm in the faith which was once and for all delivered to the saints. But listen, I didn't just put down 1 Corinthians 16, 13. I put down 1 Corinthians 16, 13 and 14. Verse 14 says this, and let everything you do be done in love. Now, if you remember last week, I told you that one of the reasons that I wasn't serving you in this way is because those closest to me and around me just go, Todd, man, nobody gets us on mission like you, but man, because of just the pace that you run at, because of the way that you're relating to us, because of what else is going on, we right now are going, hey, do you love us? And I just go, oh, man. <laughs> if you guys don't know, no matter how on the alert I am, no matter how uh, firm in the faith I am, no matter what a man I am, how strong I am, if I'm not known for love, I'm not who Jesus wants me to be. Can I just tell you that here are my five points for this week, and, 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 and don't, don't worry, you don't have to write them down fast because you've recognized these, right? And so, you know, um, great leaders, no, great churches are not grace graduates. Great leaders, no, not, not, not grace leaders, great churches need to do life together. Great leaders, no, not great leaders, great churches need pruning. Great leaders, no wait, not, not great leaders, great churches are nothing without love. Great leaders, no, not great leaders, great churches cannot be who God wants them to be if they don't continually abide with Christ. What's true, remember what I said? What, what, what's true of one is going to be true of, of many. And, and all of us, the, the weakest link in the chain here is going to weaken what God wants us to be. And he wants us to be a community, not who runs great weekend services, but a community of lovers who have great weeks of worshiping God in the world. We gather to scatter. Now watch. This is why we teach the word of God here. This is what I want you guys to understand about, you know, what we're doing. And that is in, in, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 um, and 15, Paul says this, I'm writing these things to you, hoping to come to you before long, but in case I'm delayed, this is what I want you to know. I'm going to write so that you know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God. I mean, listen, when, when you're hearing from a person sent forth from God, that's what the word apostle means, sent forth forth from God. And by the way, you're not an apostle in the sense of a New Testament apostle, but all of us are sent forth from God. And so lock in with me here because this is what our mission is. This is how you can conduct yourself as part of the mates that are on mission 
in God's universal church in this local expression. There are battleships all over the world. This is one battleship. And we're not here to cruise. And it's going to be really awkward one day when you stand before your king if you've just been cruising when you're supposed to be at war. So he says this. I want you to know how you ought to conduct yourself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God. Not some memory of God, not some guy who lived and said great things and now you can be like him, but the living God. And he says, because the church, you are the pillar and support of the truth. That's why I was so encouraged by what Brian said is that, man, you know, Todd, you're going to keep us focused on um, everything's got to grow out of, out of the word of God, the pillar and support of the truth. By the way, the truth isn't just an idea. It's not a proposition. Truth is a person. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And so everything, we're not bibliologists here. We are Christ followers. But Jesus has told us that every, every jot and tittle, those are the smallest marks you can make in Hebrew. It's not going to go away. This is the word of God. It's amazing to me when God himself was here in the person of Jesus Christ, how much he quoted what God himself had already said. Why? Because we need to be reminded much more than we need to be instructed because vision not repeated is vision forgotten. And so when you follow what Paul starts to say there in 1 Timothy chapter 3, he goes on, and he just says, I want to warn you, you know, that the Spirit explicitly says that in latter times, men aren't going to like the truth. And the latter times, by the way, just so you know, started right from the moment that Jesus was resurrected. God's kingdom program needs no other event for him to come crashing through the clouds and, and, and begin his next work, which is going to be biblically the next really strong, visible, prophetic event on the calendar is what's going to be called um, the, the, the seven years of tribulation, the 70th week of Daniel. When it's going to be general world peace for three and a half years underneath a world leader who claims to be God, who's going to be the Antichrist, and then all hell's going to break loose. And it's going to be called um, the time of Jacob's distress or trouble like the world has never known, where almost 30% of the world will die. And nothing else needs to happen for God to commence that. Kind of the trigger, if you're curious, is it going to be the Antichrist making a treaty with the nation of Israel. I think it's going to be a removal of the church and then the birth of a new group of people who are filled with the Spirit that will happen at the moment when the rapture happens. I think God's going to turn the light on with a lot of people who go, that's what my friends told me was going to happen. These Christians aren't evil that have been gotten rid of. Those Christians are been removed from the evil which is to come. And now we know that God is who he says he is and we're going to serve him during that amazing time of trouble. Now watch. This is what Paul goes on to say in these last days. Verse 6 of chapter 4, you should be constantly nourished on the word of faith. Verse 10, you should labor and strive. Of chapter 4. Verse 15 of chapter 4, take pains with these things. Verse 16, pay close attention to yourself while you're on mission and to your teaching. Persevere in these things for as you do this, pastor, you will ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who hear you. So let me just make a note right here. This is so important, okay? God wants us, this is a point, you can write it down. God wants us to rest on and build on our foundation. He wants us to rest on our foundation. In other words, we're not working to establish our relationship with God. Our master has saved us. There's nothing we need to do. If you have acknowledged your sin and thrown yourself at the mercy of God and trusted in him, there is no work to be done in order to have peace with God. It's been accomplished. So God wants us to rest on, but he also wants us to build on our foundation. Let me just give you a couple of verses. This is Ephesians 2, 19 through 21. Watch this. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints 
and are of God's household. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Do you see that? Christ is the cornerstone, but we build on the foundation of Christ. Watch this. This is 1 Corinthians 3, 11 through 13. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid. We are not trying to establish ourselves before God. Jesus has established us before God. He is the reason we have good standing before God. God demonstrates his love for us through the sacrifice of Christ. And then it says in Romans, therefore, we have peace with God through faith in Jesus Christ our Lord. That's our firm foundation. But it says you've got to build on that foundation. In verse 13, each man's work will become evident. In other words, how you serve on the mission will determine the quality of what kind of servant you would be. So we are sons and daughters of God if you trust in Jesus Christ. You acknowledge your sin and trust in him, you're a son and daughter of God, but we're still going to be judged and we're gonna be judged by what kind of servants we are. And servants are not grace graduates, we're not perfect. Servants need mates, servants need pruning. Servants should be marked by love. Um, you hear me talk about dead churches a lot. And I'm not talking about other churches when I say that. What I'm doing is right here, we don't want to be a dead church. We want to stay on mission. We don't want to just slide into casual clothes and casual living. Why? Because we're the pillar and support of the truth. And when... When the pillar and the support collapses and all you've got is the foundation, you've got a dead, collapsed church. So I'm all about gospel preaching and gospel foundation, but the gospel has legs. The gospel produces fruit. And we don't just casually whistle our way through life. We go to work. We whistle while we work. We are sober celebrants, to use the phrase of a friend of mine recently. So, I told you last week I was going to spend some time talking to you about um, how we build on that, how we love, and what we do. Um, and I'm going to talk to you about biblically what love is. But, but I guess maybe I just want to say one more thing. Watch this. This point is so important. God wants us to rest on and build on our foundation. It's why Paul, when he was wrapping up his life mission statement, it was in Colossians chapter 1, verse 28 and 29, and he just said this, we proclaim him admonishing every man and teaching every man so that we might present every man complete in Christ. For this purpose we labor, we build, according, um, you know, striving according to his power which mightily works within me. Are you with me? That's what we're doing here every week. Paul goes to work. I, I, um, I want to say this. I, I, my life mission statement for the longest time when people said, Todd, what's your life mission statement? My life mission statement used to be this. I want to do God's bidding with people I love. And one of the things that I did over the last couple of months as I started to think about, is that a good life mission statement? Is I repented of that. And I've changed it. And so instead of saying, I want to do God's bidding with people I love, I now say, I want to do God's bidding while I love people. And that's no small, subtle shift. Instead of saying, hey, I, I, I love you, and if you're running with me the way that I'm running, I want to say, I love you, and I want to tell you why I run and about the goodness of God and the foundation which I stand on and build on. And I'd love for you to do it with me, but I love you. I'm not going to love you more if you agree with me or build with me. I just want you to know I love you. And because I love you, I know you're going to give an account. Because I know you're going to give an account, I, I, I want to spur you on to love and good deeds, but I want you to know my heart is love. Now let's go. Let's get after it. So, this is just a fact, right? You want to see it visually? Here it is, where I, I, I say great leaders, right? Nope, and, and scratch it out and put up there underneath it. Great churches are not grace grads. One of the things that um, I heard a guy say to me recently, he said, hey, Todd, you know, Watermark says they're not a perfect church, but you know the reputation out there is, is that you guys just think you're more perfect than everybody else. 
And uh, that really made me sad. And I go, well, why, why is that? I'm gonna just give you a, a quick little observation that I, you know, I think it's worth just saying and, and noting. And that is just simply this, is that people often feel conviction around those who are committed to excellence. Sometimes they feel judged. Like, like when I go home and my wife is making you know, a great meal and I want you know, mashed potatoes with skin in it and butter, she's making cauliflower mash for herself. Which if you don't know what that is, you're lucky, all right? But, but basically, it's mashed potatoes, except it's not potatoes, it's cauliflower. And it tastes exactly like you think it would taste. But it's gotta be better for you. And I feel judged every time I'm sitting there putting butter and sour cream on my baked potato and she's eating cauliflower mash. Every time I go to lunch with my friends here on staff, I'm always like, all right, I'll take a cheeseburger, fries, you have truffle fries, you have loaded fries? All right, good, I'll take that. And uh, I'm like, and he'll have the skinless chicken breast and broccoli. And I feel so judged. And he's not doing anything but just committed to healthy eating. There's a story that Billy Graham told, um, or actually was told about Billy Graham. A guy was uh, walked into a, um, you know, a locker room afterwards. He just got done playing golf. He took his shoes off. He threw them in the locker, and the guy looks at him next to him, and he just basically says, hey, bro, what's, what's, uh, what's up? Why are you so angry? He goes, well, because I just played golf with Billy Graham. We go, well, that doesn't sound like, you know, you should be angry at that. He goes, yeah, yeah. Brother preached to me the entire 18 rounds. And he goes, really? What did he say? He goes, he didn't say a thing. He just didn't throw his clubs like me. He didn't cuss like me. He didn't flirt with a golf cart you know, girl like me. And he felt judged. I can remember when I was in high school, I lost all my friends. I didn't care if they smoked dope. I really didn't. I just didn't want to smoke dope. And they just cut me out because they felt judged by me. I thought I was wanting to be an athlete, and athletes I didn't think smoked dope. I can remember when I got to college, Christ captured my heart. I stopped drinking. And my friends felt judgment just because I stopped drinking. I wasn't saying anything, but they just pushed me away. And sometimes, listen, sometimes you're going to get pushed away just because you're committed to excelling still more. I want to I read to you, though, what it says we should do when we excel still more. This is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1. 1 Thessalonians 4:1 says this, Finally, brethren, we request and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us the instruction, watch this, how you also ought to walk and please God, that you excel still more. In other words, that you don't just rest on the gospel, you build on it as well. And when you build and others are resting, they're going to feel judged. Now, if you do it with arrogance, like what's wrong with you? Why can't you be as good as me? How come you're not as good as us? When I talk about the dead church, I'm not talking about out there. I'm just saying, hey, this is our battleship. God's gonna take care of all the other battleships out there in the world. But this is the one underneath our command. This is the one that we serve on. And we are not gonna get off mission. I don't want you to stand before a military tribunal, and, and if you will, your commander-in-chief, and have him go, what'd you guys do? How come we told you to go into the Persian Gulf and you were always down there, you know, in, in you know, the Caribbean? And you guys have amazing tans. And what's this bill about all this kind of foods you were eating? And, and by the way, that place that you were called to bring peace and protection, why is there chaos and death? because you were off mission. I don't want to be a part of a dead church. I wanna, because I love my master. And I happen to know that the dignity and the purpose and the life that he's called me to is not gonna be on a cruise, man. I'm, I'm right now, I'm supposed to be at war. Let me tell you why sometimes people often feel conviction around those committed to excellence. This is John chapter three, verses 19 through 20. I'm gonna read it to you in the New Living Translation because I think it's so clear. Just watch this. I'm going to warn you. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. So 
So I want to talk about what love does and what love is. And I just want to say this. Remember how I, in 1 Thess 4, 1, I talked about how we ought to also walk. And we were to walk as those who please God. And so you ought to know, how does God walk when he was here? And here's the answer. Let me take you back to the Old Testament first. In Psalm chapter 89, verse 14, this is how God, this is how God rolls, right? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Watch this. Loving kindness and truth go before him. So how does God roll? Justice, mercy, righteousness, kindness. How did God roll when he was there on earth? Well, John chapter 1, verse 14, the word became flesh. The word that was always with God, the word that was God, the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we saw his glory. Glory as the only begotten of the Father and the Father is full of grace and truth. He's not 50% grace and 50% truth. He's 100% grace and 100% truth all the time. Let me just give it to you in just a visual way. I've got so many more verses I could take you there. That's why, that's why I'm going to give you one more. That's why Micah 6.8 is in your Bible. You want to know what God wants while you're on mission? He has told you, oh man, what is good and what the Lord requires of thee but to do justice and to love kindness as you walk humbly with the Lord. Our mission is not this or that. Our mission is this. It is Christ-likeness. Grace and truth, that's love. Justice, care. Rescue, judgment of evil. That's the mission. Look at this little chart. Let's give it to you as quickly as I can. If you get too heavy on one as the other, if you're all about grace, you're going to have a commendation of sin. Commendation. You give hearty approval to those who are going the wrong direction. If you are all about truth, you're going to just be one who condemns sinners and doesn't ever give them any hope that God loves sinners, dies for sinners, rescues sinners. He hates sin. So sin can't be in his world, and when he brings his kingdom, there will be no sin. So if sin's in you, you're going to be in trouble. Let me rescue you from sin. I'm not going to tell you it's okay if you just keep going your own way. That's the way that seems right to man, but in the end, it's the way of death. And that's what Jesus was, full of grace and truth. And it's what the church should be. If we're the pillar and support of the truth. So, let's move. We should do God's bidding Declaration of truth, while we love people. If we're not known for love, gang, it doesn't matter what else we are known for. So you ready for a little Bible paradox? Our mission is not to love the world. That's what happens so much with the church. The church just looks like the world. Hey, the way we're going to get more people to sail with us is we'll, we'll do better music. We won't ask too much. We'll give them tips and techniques for living. No, no, that feeds the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life. And, and, and the, that's not of the Father. We don't love the world. We're not like the world. So our mission is not to love the world. 1 John 2.15, do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world in the world's way, the love of the Father is not in him. So Bible paradox, our job is not to love the world. Our job is to love the world. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shouldn't perish but have eternal life. So watch this, we are to love truth, you can write it down, take a notes, we are to love truth, which means we are to love Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. If we love Jesus, we will seek to be conformed to his image and we will proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man so that we might present every man complete in Christ. For this purpose also I labor, according to Jesus' power which mightily works within me. And when Jesus is working within me, the fruit of Jesus, the fruit of God, the fruit of the Spirit, love, will be there. Now I'm just going to remind you, we can't be surprised because we love Jesus that the world will not love us. And sometimes feel judged by us. Write it down. We can't be surprised because we love Jesus, 
that the world will not love us. Let me quote from Jesus, who is not just the pillar and support of the truth, he is the foundation of our being accepted. And he is the means through which we can be faithful. John chapter 15, verse 16. I want you to know, listen, you didn't just walk down to some church and enlist. You were chosen. If you know Jesus, he chose you. If you're here today and you go, well, is he going to choose me? The answer is yes. And he says to you, come. If you're sick and tired of being sick and tired and trying to find meaning, purpose in life, through the lust of your flesh, the lust of your eyes, and the boastful pride of life, come unto me, because that will never serve you. Get out of your casual cruise life, which brings depression and anxiety, and come find dignity and meaning and purpose and forgiveness and hope. Be all that you can be. The few, the proud, the faithful. Let's go. Jesus says, you didn't choose me, but I chose you You, and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit, that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the Father, my name I may give you, this I command you, you love one another. Watch this, if the world hates you though, know that it hated me before you. If you were of the world, the world would love you, but because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. Remember what I said to you. A slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours. And they're not keeping my word, and so they're going to hate you. We love the Father who loved the world, but who is not of the world, and so the world hates him. They were amazed at Jesus' words. The crowd said, give us more. And the world says, get rid of him. So this is what love is. Love, love is not what we do, but what God has done. And this is love, 1 John 4.10 says. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to the world. When you define love as anything less than sacrificial service, you're perverting love. And so here we go. Love listens. Write this down. Love listens. When the world says to you, well, you guys say you're not perfect, but you're just more perfect than everybody else. We don't go, no, we, no, we don't think that. Just go, let's do what I did. I just go, hey, man, can you, can you tell me why, why you think that? Can you tell me what it is that makes you think that I think I'm better than you? Because my Bible says love is not arrogant. Love isn't boastful. And when I hear you say that, I, I, I'm, I'm hearing you tell me that I'm boastful and arrogant. We at Watermark, Todd Wagner does not want to be boastful and arrogant. I, I don't think I'm better than you. I, I am, I, the more I get to know Jesus, the more I can't believe that God loves me. Except because of Jesus. Because I see how infinitely separated I am from him. Paul wasn't just using a a, a preaching technique when he said he was the chief of sinners. I think the more you see the goodness of God, the more you see your fallenness. But what is it about me that makes you think I think I'm better than you? Love listens. Doesn't say, what are you talking about? <sighs> Love serves. For even the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Love does. Love does. <laughs> Prove yourselves doers of the word and not just merely hearers who delude themselves, James said in chapter 1, verse 22. Here's the key. Love smells like Jesus. Now, you need, to, you need to hang with me here. Love smells like Jesus. Now, what's that mean? 1 Corinthians 2, write it down. 1 Corinthians 2, 15 through 16. It says, for we are the fragrance of Christ. Hey, that'll sell, Right? Better than Ralph Lauren, Stetson, whatever else you're using. Jacar Noir, I don't know. I'm just going through the things I wore in high school. I have no idea what, what smells good today. But love smells like Jesus. There's a fragrant aroma. You know, one of the things that, that I heard is, Todd, the aroma of Christ is not on you. I go, what are you talking about? Instead of love listens, like, hey, help me understand. What, what do you mean? If we're the fragrance of Christ, but you need to watch this, 
among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. Oh, wait, you mean that we smell different to different people? You bet, because to one, we're an aroma from death to death, and to the other, an aroma from life to life. What that means is, when you hear about Jesus, the Lamb of God, and, and the kindness of God, you're like, well, that's, that's awesome. Give me that. Give me, give me love of sinner. But you hear about Jesus, the Lion of Judah, the Lion of Judah that, Romans, uh, that Revelation 19 says will come with the armies which are in heaven, and he'll have a sharp sword, and he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God. That's an aroma of death. And when, you, when you're declaring the justice of God and offering the mercy of God, if they hear, you're judging me. I don't want to believe there's a God. I don't want to believe there's judgment. I don't want to believe there's sin. I don't want to believe that my flesh is, is not what God wants it to be. That smells like death when you say, you better. And the church can't choose which one it is. It should love the sinner. But because it loves the sinner, it does not commend sin and give hearty approval to it. I gotta go this, this is just very quickly. I, I mean, I say this is, why, this is why our only hope is to be like Jesus, who though he denounces appalling guilt, he also with fierceness wept over the city. Our world has gone crazy, have you noticed? A guy about 100 years ago, G.K. Chesterton said this, he just said that, um, he said that, uh, the world will be at the height of its imbecility when it calls cats dogs and the sun the moon. And we're like, well, who's going to call a cat a dog? Who's going to call a sun the moon? Who's going to call a man a boy? A man a woman? Who's going to say you can just identify with whatever you want? Our world. And it's not going to like you when you stand up against it. I've got so many illustrations of this and no time to give them to you all. But, you know, this week, for instance, um, Focus on the Family just tweeted out a little statement. And, and they said this. They said, on, on Tuesday, President-elect Joe Biden announced that he has chosen Dr. Rachel Levine to serve as Assistant Secretary for Health as the Department of HHS. Dr. Levine is a transgender woman. That is, a man who believes he is a woman. And because they said that, they, they were stripped of their right to speak in public. They said, you can't say that. And they go, well, Say what? We didn't, we didn't say anything pejorative. We were just defining what a transgender person is. It's a man who believes he's a woman or a woman who believes they're a man. And they go, that's hate speech. You can't do that. I've got a list of people so long that have lost their right to speak because they're not saying what the world says you've got to now say. And by the way, this is how the world changes. The world changes when it takes something and what was condemned must now be celebrated. And then from there you go, what was celebrated must now not be condemned. And then eventually, and this is where we're getting, those who will not celebrate it will need to be condemned. Church, are you ready? It is not loving to call a man a woman. It's not loving to come along Aside mental illness and say, you keep going. We're not to be conformed to the world, but we got to renew the mind. We got to be merciful towards those. We got to go, help me understand your, what, what you're going through, how you feel that way, what makes you want to present contrary to how God created you. I don't believe in God. Okay, let's talk about that. I'm not better than you. I've got my issues. I don't have an issue. Oh, you have an issue with God. You cannot, you, you cannot, let me say this, toleration where people is concerned is a virtue. Toleration where truth is concerned is a tragedy. And truth sounds like hate to those who hate the truth. But truth won't be heard if it's not said in love. There's going to be some people who say, if you say that, we've got to condemn you because it's not loving to say it, and you have to keep saying it. You are the pillar and the support of the truth. And this is truth, that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, among which, Watermark, we should know we're the foremost of all. Love serves and love suffers. And so are you ready to suffer? Love doesn't lose heart. Love doesn't get bitter. There's no future in bitterness. If you don't have the political power you think you should have, 
if you don't have the career you think you want, if your kids are, are not allowed to go to certain schools because you won't go along with society, love doesn't get bitter. Love doesn't take into account a wrong suffered. Love isn't provoked. Love doesn't seek its own. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Love speaks the truth and doesn't care if the world hates it because love loves the world. If you are here and you have never been loved yourself, you need to know God loves you. He's not mad at you. I don't care what your struggle is. Jesus has died for you like he died for me. I'm not better than you. I am a sinner redeemed by the grace of God who sees the goodness of God and wants to live on mission with him with other mates who want to love and serve you. But if you're my mate, we are going to be the pillar and the support of the truth. And we're not going to be soldiers who entangle ourselves in the affairs of everyday life so that we might please the one that enlisted us as a soldier. And I'm going to ask you to be strong in the grace with me of those who are in Jesus Christ. Love doesn't just go along to get along. Love speaks up. With its speech seasoned with salt, as it were, but I don't know how else Focus on the Family could have said that. They even said, how could we have said that in a way that you wouldn't have thought was inappropriate? And they go, well, here's how. You could have not said it. Love doesn't cut that deal. But love was cut that you might be redeemed. Let's go, church. Father, help us to be your people. Help us to build on the foundation of your love. Help us to be filled with grace and truth. Help us to be uncompromising. Father, we cannot do this except by your power, which mightily works within us. So, Lord, we don't want to be in a cruise ship, and we don't want to be arrogant. We want to be like Jesus, and we know the world hated him and the world loved him. Help us be okay with hate. Help us be renowned for love. In Jesus' name.